So today we're going to continue on our series that we've been doing the last several weeks entitled Heart Check. And so if you would uh, open up your, your Bibles or your devices to Proverbs chapter 20, excuse me, uh, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. I think after the fifth week I know what our text is. But Proverbs chapter 4, begin reading at verse 20 through 23. It says, My son... Give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. Keep it or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So in this particular series on heart check, we're really talking about the very core of your being, you know, my my whole heart, my whole being. We're talking about spirit, soul, and body, though, everything everything connected together. We're not dividing, you know, you can do studies in the Word of God. Well, is this talking about your heart? Is this talking about your soul? Is this talking about your body? You know, we're we're talking about the, the, the wholeness, being a whole person, your heart being the very core of that. And it has to do with your mind, your spirit, and your soul. It's all connected. It together, and so the very center of your spiritual life, what, what it takes to guard that, and, and, and the reason for guarding that, and the benefits of guarding or keeping your heart are, and the main reason is it's stated there in the scripture. It says it's uh, verse 22 says it's health, that's life. If you keep the word in your heart, it, it produces life to those who find them, and health. Everyone say health, health to all their flesh. I mean, it's God's medicine to us. It's God's medicine to us. And so why would we not receive the medicine that he has for us on a daily basis and continue to keep our heart guarded, keep our heart filled uh, and exposed to the word of God? And it works as a medicine to all of our flesh. And then in verse 23, that you're to keep it, you're to guard it with all diligence. It takes diligence to do this because, the, you know, the heart left to itself, apart from the Holy Spirit directing you, apart from the, 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 the fruit of of. of, of uh, self-control being manifested you know we're lazy we're selfish and we have sinful tendencies and we, we, we it's just we're going to gravitate to the things of the flesh we're going to be feeding our flesh we're going to be constantly taking care of the flesh and and, and but uh, first and foremost we are supposed to be guarding our hearts paying attention to what we are feeding our spirit and, and what, what we are focusing on, what we're meditating on, thinking on, what, what are we speaking, what is in the abundance of our heart, the very center, center of our being. The psalmist proclaimed, he said, with my whole heart I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. That's a great prayer for us. It's a great meditation, Psalm 119 and verse 10. With my whole heart, I have sought you. So we want to continue to pursue God with our whole heart, the importance of keeping the word of God in the midst of our heart. We talked about the importance of uh, letting the peace of God rule in your heart. Week two, was we talked about peace, how the very God of peace will be with us. And Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives have I given unto you. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So the importance of not allowing ourselves to be disturbed or agitated. In the Amplified Bible, that same verse in John 14, 27, we're told to stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. 
So when you find yourself being irritable, agitated, disturbed, stop it. You say, well, I'm not agitated and disturbed of myself. I'm agitated and disturbed by what other people are doing or not doing, saying or not saying. Well, stop it. You're not responsible for that other person, what they're doing or not doing, saying or not saying. We all belong to God. We're all going to stand before him. We're not in control of one another. You're to be in self-control. Everyone say self-control. Let's, let's get that right first before we get agitated about other people. And if I sound a little agitated or disturbed right now, it's, it's because I'm agitated and disturbed by too many people trying to control other people. But I'm going to stop being agitated right now. Life flows from within you, not to you. So we have no right going around and saying, well, I'm irritated and then state why we're irritated and usually has to do with another person, another people group, something external. We're, we're allowing other people's decisions, other people's choices, other people's words to affect us and we should not be doing that. We should not be doing, they don't need to be doing what they're doing but neither do you need to allow what they're doing to affect you. You stay peaceful. You remain peaceful even in the midst of war. In this, I will be confident. The psalmist talks much about being peaceful in the middle of, of, of uh, ungodly circumstances. So let's just continue on with it. Last Sunday morning, we talked about the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. So if you haven't, weren't here or hadn't listened to it yet, I highly recommend that one to, to you to listen to several times over because it's just very applicable to our lives and the importance of forgiving and the effects of when we choose not to forgive someone, it really harms us, it damages us more than it damages the person that we're not forgiving. And so you always want to be living in a, in a place of forgiveness. Love one another. And, and one of the things we can do, one of the things that we brought out last week from uh, Matthew 18 was that the master, when, when, when the servant pleaded with him, said, have mercy on me and I will repay you all. It says that he was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him. He was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him. That's our responsibility, to be moved with compassion, release the offender, and forgive the offense. And I think sometimes we miss it. We, we, we feel moved with compassion. We have, a, we have one of those sensitive moments with the Holy Spirit, and we know that we need to forgive the person. We need to release the person, forgive the person. But I think we skip from that being prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to release and forgive, and we go from having compassion to forgiving. Okay, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to forgive this person. And then it just seems like we don't have the victory. Well, release the offense. Give it up. Look at your neighbor and say, give it up. <laughs> give it up and forgive it. See, we try to forgive it, but you haven't given it up yet. You're still remembering. You're still talking about it. Every person you see, you, you remind them of the offense that happened to you, and then you rehearse it again, and then you put the tagline on it, hashtag, I did forgive them. Really? <laughs> How about a hashtag give it up? <laughs> give it up. 
And we can add to that, it's another instruction Jesus gave, is that this helps you in getting over, is to begin to pray for the person that offended you. Bless those who persecute you. Give it up. Bless those who persecute you. Forgive them. Bless them. Speak blessings over them. Isaiah talks about every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. It's the heritage of the righteous men and women of God. Every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Condemn the event that happened, the words that were spoken to you, but not the person. That person is a creation of God, a child of God whether they surrender to him or not, the creation of Almighty God. That was all free. It was not in my notes this morning. But someone needed to hear that. Perhaps it was me. I don't know. But I'll receive it. I receive it this morning. So we're going to continue to uh, keep ourselves in the word of God, keep God's word in our heart, for out of it spring the very issues of life. So we're going to give you some uh, very simple, you can do this at home, you can do it any time of the day. This is something that you do for yourself, it's not necessarily your responsibility to do it for another person, but I'm going to give you the ability to, put a, to monitor your heart. We have all kinds of cool devices, Apple watches and stuff, to have all kinds of monitoring of our heart, our heart rate and heart beats and how many steps we take and, and all kinds of other tests we can do in the medical field concerning our heart. And we're always curious as to just exactly what is the condition of my heart. Is it, is it, is it good? Is, is my blood pressure too high? Is it too low? Am I stressed? Am I not stressed? You know, are my arteries clear? Are they not clear? Am I going to live a long time or am I going to have a heart attack and die? Or, you know, there's a certain degree of concern about our hearts on our, on our, on our, in our natural heart, but when we're talking about the heart, the very core of our being, our spirit, soul, and body, the, the wholeness of mankind, monitoring our heart, how are we really doing? We're talking about heart check, having peace rule, making sure we're in forgiveness, not, not walking around in unforgiveness, and having, holding grudges towards other people. So, so we have a very simple heart check this morning, and it's found in Luke chapter 6, verse, we begin at verse 43 of Luke chapter 6. And Jesus is teaching here. The entire chapter is a good chapter. He's talking about loving your enemies and, and not judging people. Then uh, beginning at verse 43, it talks, it's talking about how Jesus is sharing how a tree is known by its fruit. You know, as you can tell, if an apple tree is an apple tree by the oranges that come out on the branches, right? No, if there's oranges on the tree, it's probably not an apple tree. It's probably an orange tree, right? And that's just common sense. Well, the fruit that's coming out from within us, from the core of our being, will determine what's going on on the inside. You might try to put a facade over it. You might try to fake it. But it is what it is. And what it is is going to be revealed. And here's how it's going to be revealed. And here's the monitor that you put on your heart. 
And this will help, this, will, this is the best thing you can do uh, for, for self-improvement in your life, for your uh, relationship with God, for your relationship with other people. Jesus said in verse 43, begins says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. This is getting pretty deep this morning. For every tree is known by its own fruit, for men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his what? Out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the what? The mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. What's in abundance in you, what is consuming you, what you've been thinking on, what you are, what you are being possessed by, what you are giving your full attention to, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. Did you notice ever when you read in Matthew, we looked at this, I think, a week or two ago, about not worrying? Jesus said, do not worry. What's the next word? Do not worry, Matthew 6, 25, I believe. Do not worry. All right, we're going to have to come back to it. I thought you knew it. Here we go. <laughs> Matthew 6. One of them says, oh, it's in verse 31. Matthew 6, verse 31. It says, therefore, do not worry, saying. Do not worry, saying. The implication there is if you're worrying, you're saying it. When you're full of worry, you're going to be speaking worry. You're going to be speaking fear. Oh, I'm just afraid. Oh, I'm so concerned. You might put spiritual words to it like concern but it's the same thing. We're supposed to cast all of our care over in the Lord. Do not worry, saying. Well, you can tell in a couple minutes by listening to yourself, or I can tell, or even other people can tell by hearing you, or you can tell by hearing me if I'm worried or not. If I'm filled with worry, Worry is going to come out of my mouth because worry is in abundance in my heart, in the very core of my being. I'm all worked up. I'm anxious about something. And it's going to come out in the words that I'm speaking. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let's see if I can find this on the Message Bible here. I'll pull it up. Give me a minute here. I'm not the fastest here with technology, but I can do it. Matthew chapter 12 is the same, it's the same teaching that we're reading here in Luke, but from Matthew chapter 12 in the Message Bible. <laughs> I just think this is funny. And it's also very powerful. But this is the Message Bible paraphrase from Eugene Peterson, beginning at verse 34. You have minds like a snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything? 
when you are so foul-minded. It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight in the orchard. Let me tell you something. Are you ready? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is, is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can be your damnation. Don't worry. Saying, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your heart check. Monitor the words that are coming out of your mouth. A heart filled with worry is going to be speaking worry. A heart that's filled with jealousy, strife, and envy. You're going to be speaking. It's going to come out. You can't hide it. You might put a spiritual facade on it. You might think you know, you're holier than thou by condemning someone that has something that you'd really like, but after all, they're not happy. If I had it, I'd be much happier. If I could live in that house, I know I'd be happy living in it, but they're living in it, but they're not even serving God, so I know they're not happy. Really. You really sound happy. <laughs> you really sound happy. If your heart is filled with anger, you're gonna be, it's going to come out. If it's filled with doubt and unbelief, you're going to be speaking doubt and unbelief. It's going to manifest. It's going to manifest. Catch yourself saying things. That, wow, why did I say that? Pride. Pride. A prideful heart. It will be communicated. Anger, fear, doubt, envy, strife. It's all going to be manifested. But the good news is, you put a monitor on it with your ears. Begin listening to yourself. Married couples, husbands and wives, you can agree to help monitor one another. Don't do it condemningly, but you can check with your spouse, or if you, those of you that are not married, you can ask, you can ask someone, a, a good friend, someone you really trust. I'm asking you to help monitor my heart. And say, what, I'm not a doctor. Well, you have ears to hear. Just listen to what's, what they're saying. And I'm not talking about at that very moment, okay, we're together for a cup of coffee, and I want you to monitor what I'm saying, because that's pretty easy to do over a cup of coffee, over, you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. But I'm asking you to monitor my heart when we're just out, just doing life. Monday morning at work, Monday morning at school, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday night at 10 o'clock, Whenever, just, just throughout the week, put a monitor on. You catch me saying something negative. You catch me saying something judgmental. You catch me saying something condemning. You catch fear coming out of my mouth. I start speaking apprehension. Put a check on it for me. Help me. I want to know because I don't want fear dominating my life. I don't want doubt and unbelief dominating my life. I can remember when I first started pastoring Grace Church. We had, uh, we're only two years into it, and we bought the old Shillington movie theater. And we renovated it. How many people were at the Shillington theater? Not quite a few of you remember. We were down at the theater, and 
And I remember just barely gotten, had gotten in there and we paid $210,000 for it. And I can remember walking out of settlement just like, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to pay this? I said it quiet because if you say it quiet, no one else can hear you. <laughs> but if you say it quiet or if you scream it out, it's still concern. See that? Spiritually, it's concern. If you're not a Christian, it's worry. But since I was a spirit-filled, born-again Christian, a man of faith, I was concerned. <laughs> how are we ever going to pay this? How are we ever going to make the payments? And how are we going to keep the heat on and this and that? And I remember getting in there and getting the renovation done. We're in there, and, and finances seemed pretty tight. And one morning, receiving the offering, it came out of my mouth, and I caught myself. I said... That if we don't get this, if we don't get our building fund monies in here, we're going to have to turn the air conditioning off. And when I said that, I thought, that is dumber than dumb. Why did you say that? And the Holy Spirit chastised me that whole next week and the next Sunday morning. I don't know if you were there. If you remember, perhaps you didn't even catch it. But I remember apologizing for it and said, I will never, ever do that again. I will never, ever threaten that if you don't give, we're going to shut the doors. We're going to turn the lights off. Because I used to hear people saying that on radio and television ministries, and my attitude was good. Shut it down. <laughs> and there I was doing the same thing. I was worrying and threatening the people. And it's wrong. So I'll never do it again. Never have, never will. Amen. Don't test me. <laughs> Don't you be testing me. I can see you all conspiring together. Say, let's try him out in this. Let's not give anything this month. See what he does. <laughs> you have to look at my age before you try to pull that one off. <laughs> so a heart that's filled with anything but the love of God, the peace of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the wisdom of God, we want to put checks on there. Say, okay, I need to check that. I need to address that situation. I need to address this. I need to address that. Just like you would go to your medical doctor and say, you need to start walking. You need to start exercise. You need to get your cholesterol under control. You know, you take those admonitions seriously. Well, take these spiritual admonitions seriously. In 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, we are to lay aside evil speaking. Evil speaking is not just cursing. Evil speaking is speaking contrary to the promises of God's word concerning your life. You're the apple of God's eye. He loves you. He's redeemed you. You're a child of God. Jesus said he has been made wisdom unto us and that we have the mind of Christ. For you to talk stupid about yourself or declare that you're stupid or you're not very bright, that's speaking evil over yourself. Or you may be doing it to other people. And if you're doing it to other people, Titus chapter 3, verse 2 says, Speak evil of no one. Speak evil of no one. Now, we can camp here for a while. We don't speak evil of anyone. Don't speak evil of our president, our Congress, our Senate, our judges, our local state and governments and regional governments. Speak evil of no one. Don't speak evil of other churches, other Christians. Don't speak evil of anyone, Christian or non-Christian. Says, so speak evil of no one. 
Say, well, I just don't agree. Fine, doesn't say you have to agree with them, says don't speak evil of them. It's pretty simple, is it not? Would you like for me to be your heart monitor this week? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Stop saying that. Doesn't say you have to defend what people are doing or not doing. Just says don't speak evil of them. But pray for them. Pray for those. Pray for all people. And don't do it in a self-righteous attitude. Just pray. Just love on people. Pray for people. Say, well, I'm so angry, I just can't do it. It just makes me so mad what's going on in politics. It makes me so mad what's going on in media. It makes me so mad what's going on in my family. It makes me so angry what's going on in my community, in my church. I'm just so angry. I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a rage. Colossians 3.8 says, put off anger. Blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. Put it off. You might feel angry, but deal with it. Put it off. Cast it over to the Lord. We belong to God. You belong to God. I belong to God. Other people belong to God. God is the judge. They're going to stand before God at the end. They're not going to stand before you. I know that surprises some of you, but that's the way it is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 This is probably my favorite one of all these. Lay aside evil, speak no evil, put off anger, put off filthy language. Ephesians 4, beginning of verse 29. I love it here. It's just a, just a, a powerful, powerful instructions for our daily lives. Verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. We can just stop right there. I mean, that right there is going to give us plenty to work on as far as a heart monitor is concerned. Remember, Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Here we're being instructed that no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Again, don't just think about corruption as being foul language, cursing or swearing. I emphasize that because I don't know, maybe I was the only one, but for years I would think that's what that's referring to. I had no idea it's talking about, you know, negative self-talk or talking negative about other people. I just thought it's the curse words. But so let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary. I'm going to say necessary. necessary. Necessary edification. As we all need to be encouraged. Everyone needs to be built up. No one needs to be condemned. No one needs to be criticized. Criticism doesn't motivate me at all. Encouragement, attaboys. You tell me I did a great job, I'll probably turn around and do it again. You criticize me, that's probably the end of it. But you encourage me, edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I believe in context here, it's safe to say that the grieving of the Holy Spirit here is that when we talk 
when, when, when we have uh, the corrupt words coming out of our mouth, it's grieving the Holy Spirit of God. When you are speaking negative over yourself, when you can be talking about how stupid you are and how just not, you know, whatever negative self-talk you may have gotten in the habit of doing, whether it's about yourself or other people, it grieves the Holy Spirit of God, and only rightfully so, because God so loved you that he sent his very own son, Jesus Christ, God gave his best for you to redeem you back unto yourself. You are valuable to God. You are precious to God. Don't compare yourself among yourselves. Compare yourselves to the love of God. Say, God loves me. God created me. I'm his child. I'm his creation. I'm not going to be speaking corrupt about myself. I'm not saying, well, I'm just not very skilled. I'm not very talented. I'm not this or I'm not that. Don't be doing that. That's the type of monitoring I'm talking about. It's much more subtle. Sometimes it can come across as humility, but it's not humility. It's not humility. It's corrupt conversation. It's corrupt talk when you're talking down on yourself. So, well, Pastor Ray, that doesn't sound very humble. Well, I am humble. It's just hard to show it when you're this humble. <laughs> when you're really good, it's hard to be humble, right? But you are humble. It's humbling to say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That takes humility. That's taking away any of my own accolades and saying, I am what I am because of the grace of God. And I'm not going to demean myself. I'm not going to talk down on myself. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. Any questions? Well, what about this? I think we have it covered. Lay aside evil speaking, speak evil of no one, put off anger, blasphemy, filthy language. Here it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, Glamour, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, heart check, monitor your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the math speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the math speaks. Nurturing your heart and restricting your conversation to good reports, and being constructive right in the face of negative input will not only stimulate your heart, it will not only stimulate your heart, but it will infect others with an awareness of the positive, powerful results of positive language that flows from a healthy heart. As you begin the process, everyone around me is negative, you begin the process of being positive, being positive. You may be in a situation around a group of people, whether it be in your, in your classroom at school, or whether it be your place of employment, or a family reunion, a family gathering, and it may be a whole bunch of negative, judgmental talk going on about a certain family member, and, and uh, in your mind you're thinking, I couldn't agree more, but you know you shouldn't say it. Don't break down and say it. Don't break down and agree with them. 
Ask God. Say, God, show me something positive to say about this person. And it might be something as true and as simple as this. When everyone said everything they wanted to say negative about this person, you might say, do you ever notice how he has those beautiful slate blue eyes? You talk about hush coming over a crowd. Just something like that. You can find something positive, something good to say about anyone if you want. Just take a moment and think about it. You can find something good to say about yourself if you'll take a moment and think about it. And begin there. Begin there. Perhaps you can't think anything good of yourself. Next time you look in the mirror, say, thank God for my eyes. Something. Positive, grace-filled, faith-filled words. In Proverbs 15 and verse 28, here's reinforcement for uh, putting your heart monitor to work. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the righteous, that's the heart of born-again Christians, studies how to answer. Study how, do you ever think about that? When you're in a gathering of people, that it's your responsibility to study, not just go with the flow. I mean, as parents, we teach our children, don't just go with the flow, don't be moved by peer pressure, but we do the same thing. We get in a crowd of people and conversation goes this way. It can be going down the sewer and we just go right down the sewer with them. And then we leave and we feel filthy. I need a shower. How'd you get sucked in there in the first place? You know it's dangerous hanging around sewage things on the street? especially during a storm. In the storms of life, don't, don't allow yourself to go down that road, but rather study, how am I going to answer this? Right in the middle of that conversation, right in the middle of that setting, you just make it a point that I'm going to be quiet for a moment. You may need to step out for a moment. We're just going to have that moment with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, help me Give me wisdom, give me grace to change this whole course of this conversation or give me something positive to say. Give me something good to say. Mark Twain was quoted as saying, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between the lightning and the lightning bug. They're both light. One will hurt you a whole lot more than the other one. So study, study how to answer. And we're out of time. We didn't even get anywhere close to what I wanted to get done. But one more scripture, I'll let you go with this. Proverbs chapter 18. This is one for you to help you with your heart monitor. You all doing well? Glad you came this morning. You love your pastor? (laughs) We're going to keep listening to what you're saying, Pastor Ray. Proverbs 18.21, real quick, 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let me give you this real quick. This is from the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible. It has a footnote, has some study notes along with the scriptures, but it's just so powerful. So here's what he's, they're saying about verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So it says, a person's life largely reflects the fruit of his tongue. To speak life is to speak God's perspective on every 
on any issue of life. God's perspective. Everyone say God's perspective. Just make a mental note of that. God's perspective on this issue. This is how I see it. This is how my other people are seeing it. This is how they're, this is how they're communicating about it. But God, what's your perspective? And God has a perspective. And that's what you want to hook up with. So to speak life is to speak God's perspective on any issues of life. To speak death is to declare life's negatives, to declare defeat, or to complain constantly. And all the people said, amen. Amen. So, heart monitor. Are you declaring life's negatives? Are you declaring defeat? Are you complaining constantly. And if you are, pay attention to the monitor and change direction and begin to speak life, begin to speak it from God's perspective on every issue of life, your health, your wealth, your relationships, your communication with God. Stop complaining to God. Stop complaining to other people. Just Put God's perspective on it, and you will find your heart becoming much healthier, and out of the abundance of the heart, life flows. Your life flows from within you, not to you. You're not a victim of everything that happens around you and happening to you. You can claim victimhood if you want, but you can change it by stating, I'm surrendering to God, and we're going to begin to speak life God's perspective on every issue concerning my life. So the next time you think of Pastor Ray, speak God's perspective concerning Pastor Ray. Next time I think of you, I'll speak God's perspective concerning you. And we're all going to be so much healthier, so much happier, so good that it's going to be really hard to be humble. (laughs) But you can do it. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together, to worship you, to praise you, Father, to celebrate your amazing grace, your goodness, your mercy. Father, thank you for what's taking place, has taken place in the children and the youth ministries this morning and the youth service yet to happen tonight, Father. We thank you for it. And Lord, I thank you as we expose ourselves to your word. We keep hearing your word, Father. I thank you in Jesus' name that we'll purpose to use your word as a heart monitor to do a heart check, Father, and to monitor what is flowing, what is in abundance in us, Lord God. We recognize that it's, that it's in full display by the words that we're saying. But from this day on, Father, we purpose to speak life, to speak God's perspective on every circumstance, in every situation. Grace each one of us, Father God, with much patience, much wisdom, and just the patience to take a Salem moment. Just I'm just going to pause for a second before I answer, because I I'm studying how to answer from this day on in Jesus' name. Name above all names. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for every household, every family. If you're here today, you never received Christ as Savior. You want to do that this morning. God loves you. Jesus paid the price for your salvation at the cross. You've never reconciled that with God, but you want to receive Jesus as your Savior right where you're seated. Would you just slip up your hand? We'd love to pray with you. Anyone at all? We'd love to pray with you this morning. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Anyone else? 
Anyone else want to join us in this prayer? What we're going to do, we're going to pray a prayer together. We're all going to pray the prayer. It's called the prayer unto salvation. If you want to join in, you never have, but you want to make it personal today. One more time. Anyone else? All right, let's pray together. Sir, when we pray this prayer, you pray this from your heart. You pray it from your heart, and you become a brand new, born-again child of God. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, your Son, who went to the cross and shed his blood to cleanse me, to forgive me of all my sin. I believe with all my heart that he died and he was buried. And on the third day, you raised him up to newness of life. I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior from this day on. I'm resurrected to newness of life together with him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Congratulations. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. We have a book for you. We'd like to give you one of the ushers. I'll probably have one in the back. There's a white book. Make sure if no one else gives it to you, see me. I'll have it for you. Congratulations, and God bless you. Amen. If you have any other need for prayer, some people love to meet you up here and pray with you and buy your lunch. And <laughs> other than that, you have an awesome, awesome day. We love you, and we look forward to seeing you real soon.